The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. All of my life, I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much. Maybe it's just you're not enough for me. Can't you see? I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be. Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour, and this week we have a story from author, psychotherapist, kinkster, and sex radical, the infamous Dossie Easton. I'm not going to ask you how your week's going, because it has been a tough week, hasn't it? I'm going to tell you a little bit about my Pride show this past Sunday, because it was so great to come together with people who were supporting every type of love there was. People who celebrate being sex positive, people who want to empower and inform others with their stories. We had some great stories. And I added this new piece to the show. You know, for my birthday recently, one of the things that they did as part of the birthday party that actually never really was, was they made a lanyard and on the back of it, they put a bango card. And the bango card had a list of terrible ideas because I am known for my terrible ideas. And unbelievably, when I started this show talking about sex 15 years ago, people were like, that is never going to work. I'm still constantly surprised at the fact that people go, what are we doing? We're putting our dirty underwear in Ziploc bags and letting other people sniff them? Okay, I don't understand why people agree to it, but it's so exciting to me when it happens. So this past week, I had recently mentioned to a friend that I was thinking about doing something since I'm known for my applause titties. And because the pandemic and live streams and a lot of other reasons, my applause titty bra was shot to shit. That thing was not meant to be load bearing to that level. And between all the bouncing and the fact that they were holding up boobs that were many, many pounds, my bra was just sad. It couldn't do it anymore. So. I mentioned that I was thinking about finding an applause titty sponsor. And my friends Red Bear and Michael immediately said, can we be the very first applause titty sponsor? So here's how it works. There's a store called A Revelation in Fit. It is an amazing bra store. It's where I bought the first applause titty bra. And I had read a while back in a group about lingerie that they had a registry for bras. So I decided to go in and start a registry for bras. I went in, I got custom fitted. The pandemic has done a number on everything, not just my ass, it did it out. It did a number on my tits too. And my bra size had changed. So they brought me bra after bra to try on. And I ended up with a huge stack of them, which I added to my registry. I picked a really good one for the first applause titty bra. I am never gonna let my bras get that worn out again. I'm gonna have more than one this time. 
And Sunday night when I got on stage, I called Red Bear and Michael up to the stage. And I said, for being the sponsor this month, I am going to motorboat each one of you with this brand new bra that you bought for me. I'm so grateful. I turned my back to the crowd. I let them check the bra out carefully. They thought it looked really nice. And then I let them choose the type of motorboat they would like. Well, they couldn't decide, so they ended up getting all three kinds of motorboats. If you know me and you've heard me in the past, there are three kinds of motorboats and they're all pretty fun. Let's just say I beat the shit out of the faces of these two bears who flew in from Los Angeles to be at this show. In fact, they had to leave the next morning to go to Mexico on a cruise. So they pretty much showed up, turned around and went immediately back, but they were not gonna miss getting motorboated and being the very first Applause Titty sponsor. And as part of this, not only did they get motorboated unstaged, I named my tits after them. So my tits are for this month, named Red Bear and Michael. And of course, the one on the right is Red Bear. That just makes sense. If you'd like to be an Applause Titty sponsor, there's a registry. <laughs> and it's at a revelation in fit in Oakland. I'm just, yeah, this is a bad idea, but it turned out great. The crowd loved it. They cheered. At the end of the motorboating, the two men on stage were had their arms raised in victory. Yes! And they said my boobs smelled pretty good, so that was nice to hear too. How lucky am I to have this life where I can have ideas like this and people go, hell yeah, and they, and they join me. Wow. I'm going to take a wild guess here. You're listening to this podcast, so you probably love stories. Do you ever wonder what it would be like to go from being a listener to being a storyteller yourself? I have this really simple system, and it makes it possible to go from never having done this before to getting a standing ovation. I've been using this system for years, and you can learn with me in a very small group. It's live, it's on Zoom, and I can teach you how to tell your own honest, entertaining and relatable true stories. There's one spot left and this is the only time this year that I'm going to be teaching this class. So I'd love to have you in it. The class is called How to Be Fascinating, Dixie's Secret System for Brilliant Storytelling and there's a link in the show notes to sign up. It starts in less than two weeks, it's a midweek class and it includes office hours each week so that you and I can work on your stories and you can get the one-on-one -on -one time you need. Sign up right now. I'd love to have you in this class. If pleasure is a priority in your life, your sexual health should also be top of mind. Getting tested regularly and knowing your STD status protects you and your partners, and now you can discreetly test at home with EverlyWell. EverlyWell's at-home lab tests can give you more clarity, confidence, and well-being with their over 30 at-home lab tests. You get physician-reviewed results and personalized insights so you can take action on your health and wellness, all at an affordable and transparent cost. EverlyWell ships your at-home lab tests straight to you with everything needed for a simple sample collection. You use the prepaid shipping label, mail your test back to a certified lab, in just days, your physician-reviewed results and actionable insights are sent to your device. And you can share the results with your primary care physician to help guide your next steps. Everlywell's food sensitivity, metabolism, sleep and stress, and thyroid tests are just a few of the many options. 
and their STD test discreetly allows you to test for seven types of STDs, all from the privacy of your own home. I love learning about my body and my health, thanks to Everlywell. And for listeners of the show, Everlywell is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash Dixie. Over 1 million people have trusted Everlywell with their at-home lab testing. So go to everlywell.com slash Dixie for 20% off your at-home lab test. You know how good it feels to find people like you? Maybe you thought you were a freak and then you find out there's other people out there. Well, I think you'll love our next body storytelling live show and live stream. The theme is one of us and it's on Friday, July 22nd. I already know all the stories in this show and they are excellent. So get your ticket now, join us in person if you can, and if not, join us on the live stream. There's a link in the show notes. Do you remember being tucked into bed with your favorite story and dozing off even before you got to your favorite part? With Calm's Sleep Stories, you can pause your racing thoughts, relax your mind, and enjoy the ease of drifting off to dreamland. So here's some great news. Body Storytelling is partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app, to give you the tools to improve the way you feel. You can reduce stress and anxiety through guided meditations, improve focus with curated music tracks, and rest and recharge with Calm's imaginative sleep stories for children and adults. There's even new daily movement classes designed to relax your body and uplift your mind. Right now, if you go to calm.com slash Dixie, you'll get a special offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription and new content is added every week. I'm a voice person and I love the narrator's voice on the Calm app. It's so soothing. I found it helpful to turn on Calm during a flight. I have a lot of anxiety around flying and it helps me block out the chaos around me quite well. You might want to try that as you head into this holiday weekend. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Dixie. Calm is ready to help you stress less, sleep more, and live a happier, healthier life. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds. So go to calm.com slash Dixie for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash Dixie. About a month ago, I was sitting naked in a hot tub with this week's storyteller. Do you know Dossie Easton? Do you know the work she's done in the world, the books she's put out, especially the ethical slut? I'm fortunate to say that Dossie and I have been friends for years. And during COVID, We've all been hiding in our houses, but she said, let's hang out. Let's go sit in a hot tub. Let's relax. Let's go do dinner. I tested constantly that week to make sure that I was not going to give this gift to mankind anything. And met her in a spot. We got a private hot tub. We got naked. We relaxed in the warm water and we started telling each other stories and catching up. And a month ago, Roe v. Wade was really on our minds. And we started telling our abortion stories to each other. Well, I'm not going to tell you her story. But it was a story from before Roe v. Wade. And it has stuck with me ever since. 
Dossie and I are trying to find a way to record that story. She doesn't feel safe enough to tell on a live show because she's immunocompromised. But it's a story that everyone should hear. What happened last week with the Dobbs verdict is going to affect every person on this planet, not just women. And when I got the news on Friday, I was as devastated as the rest of you. I could not believe that it's been struck down after nearly 50 years. So I started trying to think about what we could do to uplift each other. And I thought about Dossie's story from 2019, and I thought I'd put it on the podcast this week. Dossie was about to turn 75 years old, and she really wanted me to throw an event for her. She wanted a body for her birthday. And she would not take no for an answer, even though I told her I was busy because I was trying to tour. And she said, I don't care. I want body. And when she told me that it was not only her 75th birthday, it was the 50th anniversary of the, well, you'll get to hear what happened. But the trip that led to her realizing who she was and finding her power, I had to say yes. We gathered everybody in San Francisco. It was a huge sold-out event. We had special cocktails with names like the Ethical Slut. And Dossie was overjoyed to have people tell stories about her and to have an opportunity to tell several stories. If you go back in the body archives, you can hear the other story she told that night. The episode is called Notorious. But this story, this one feels really timely. So I wanted you to hear this this week while we all grieve and we try and figure out what's next. So let me tell you about our storyteller. Dossie Easton, a longtime player in the San Francisco S&M scene, is co-author with Janet Hardy of The Ethical Slut, The Bottoming and Topping Books, and Radical Ecstasy, S&M Journeys to Transcendence. Dossie is a psychotherapist working with individuals, couples, and more in her private practice in San Francisco, with a particular interest in how S&M journeys into shadow can bring old wounds into the healing light of consciousness and give them a shot of life force in the form of good hot sex. An active sex radical since 1961, Dossie was a member of the first board of directors of the Society of Janus in San Francisco in 1974 and active with San Francisco Sex Information, also known as FUSI, from 1973 to 1985. Currently, she makes her home in the mountains north of San Francisco, travels to teach at conferences all over the world. Well, not recently, but that's the plan she'll return to and wanders through the mountains around her home, declaiming filthy poetry to the vultures. You can check out her website at DossieEaston.com. Our storyteller this week is the infamous Dossie Easton. (laughs) Ah, Oh, Oh, beautiful. I feel so full of love. It's just great. Anyway, would you like to hear about how I took a thousand micrograms of LSD and changed my life? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Let's do a little fast forward from the last story. I actually met Tim Leary and Dick Albert when they were still at Harvard, and I dropped out of Bryn Mawr College to become a psychedelic re- revolutionary. I'm rather proud of the fact that I may have been Bryn Mawr College's first psychedelic dropout in 1962. 
uh, went up to New York, uh, explored all kinds of wonderful stuff, and how do we get to this? Oh, yes. <laughs> Fucked everybody I could get my hands on. <laughs> and then went out west, came out to here, actually, in the Great Migration of 1967. I am eternally grateful for having been here for the summer of love. It really, truly was magnificent. And closer and closer to the kind of ideals and utopian thinking that I really wanted to be into. So... Fast forward again, 1969, I was living in this beautiful house in the Richmond District of San Francisco. My bed was in this big bay window when the sun came through the curtains. The whole room turned golden. My daughter was three months old. This was 1969. And it was at a big turning point in my life. And I was kind of figuring out where I was while I was doing this new thing being a mother, which is a big deal. And a friend of mine showed up one morning at the ungodly hour of 9 a.m. and said, look, sugar cube acid. <laughs> Haven't seen that in a long time. And I said, and this is very atypical, on the East Coast we planned acid trips. We took set and setting and the whole deal. Everything was very carefully managed. And I said, can I take two? So I checked in with my roommates, and they agreed to babysit. And I lay down on my bed and sucked on two sugar cubes, and there was like, this is very unlike any trip I had ever taken before. I'd been tripping for about seven years at that point. Um, because there was no hesitation, there was no transition. I was lying on my bed one minute, and then I was flying out beyond the Earth's atmosphere, out of the solar system into the galaxy. And I remember looking down at the solar system and thinking kind of affectionately, that's my address. <laughs> and I went out and out and out into intergalactic space, all this beauty, all these incredible kinds of light. I was dancing in that light. Like the whole cosmos was flowing through me. And that was wonderful, that was wonderful. I did that for a while. And then I started to feel kind of lonely. And I realized that I was in this ridiculously huge space that I couldn't even really imagine. I mean, have you ever stood under a redwood tree and realized that you couldn't actually grok how tall the damn thing is? Well, this was the universe. <laughs> it's really big. And there were these huge rocks, uh, balls of rock or balls of ice hurtling past me at unimaginable speeds. The whole thing was, the suns were so hot that they were terrifying, they were enormous. Uh, I read somewhere that a photon that is born in the heart of the sun, the time it takes to travel from the heart of the sun out to the atmosphere of the sun where it can be released and travel here to Earth, that time is 100,000 years. And I was looking around the universe. I'm a speck here. I, I, I'm nothing. The I, I, universe has no awareness of me as an individual. This is ridiculous. It's all beautiful out here, and this is not where I belong. So I slowly started to float back toward the Earth, kind of like a milkweed floats on some sort of intergalactic breeze. 
And as I came down to the earth, I was, it was nighttime, and I was landing someplace where there was forest that just went all around, all around. And in the forest, there were little clearings with fires, human-sized fires, not the sun, not these huge things. And people were sitting in circles around the fires, and they were telling stories, just like we're doing tonight. And I came down and joined one of those circles, and I realized that these people were telling stories, and in the face of the immensity of the cosmos, they were creating meaning. They were creating something that fit for them, something that made sense to them. Something that was human-sized, something that fit for us. And somewhere around then I opened my eyes and on this white sheet in front of me there was this teeny tiny little white spider, so pale it was almost transparent. Uh, and she was going along my sheet and she kept, she kept a piece of lint stuck on one of her legs and she'd painstakingly scrape this lint off her leg and she'd finally get it off and she'd take another few steps and another piece of lint got on another leg and she'd scrape it off and scrape it off and I swear I think the pupil I was watching her with was bigger than she was and I wondered what she thought I was Just like maybe I wonder what the universe is. And at that moment, I started laughing. I had kind of thought that somewhere there was a true metaphysic and that I was, it was my job to find it. And there was an answer, an answer somewhere, right? A big answer. So I want to tell you now I found the answer to the riddle of the universe. I know Leonard Cohen has claimed this, but I found <laughs> the answer, and I tell you from the bottom of my heart, the answer to the riddle of the universe is, I don't know. <laughs> Brain is this big universe well, you know? Uh, I don't know, I don't think I will ever know. And this gave me, I was laughing and laughing and dancing around going, I quit, I resign, I give up. It's all bigger than me. I don't need to do that anymore. And there was this huge freedom. It was like an enormous unburdening. And at that point, I was starting to come out of the rush, and I uh, picked up my daughter and, and started telling her all about my journey in the galaxies, and she's this little tiny baby. And I, some things came to my mind as I was coming back to the planet and back into, my, back into my body. The first one that was just very clear was if there was any purpose to my life, it was living the life I was living in the body I was living on the planet I was living on because obviously that's what happened, and so it must be the right thing. And then I realized that I had never really looked at my life from the point of view of being a woman. Now, when I was young, I was taught that women were not supposed to be too intelligent. We weren't supposed to be too strong. We weren't supposed to be too outspoken. We were supposed to be selfless, not have a self. We, want, we were supposed to want to devote ourselves to everybody else. And I realized that I didn't fit that. That I was never going to make anybody's, be anybody's wife. This didn't work for me. I would be a terrible wife. And I suddenly had a tremendous sort of moment of grief for saying, my intelligence, my smarts, my creativity, my sexiness, everything I'm good at was 
I was told was too much, was unwomanly. How was I going to get a husband? And in that moment, I kind of vowed to myself, I said, no. I'm going to be my full self. I'm going to be a full human being. I'm going to be as big as I can be. I'm going to do everything I know how to do. I'm going to take all of it. So I told myself some stories, and I made myself some vows. That day I vowed I would never be monogamous again. I vowed that I would never again be anybody's turf. Right. I vowed that I would value my relationships with women equally with my relationships with men. I had previously thought I was going to settle down somehow. And I vowed that I would remain unpartnered for five years so I could figure out who I was when I wasn't trying to be somebody's wife. I figured out that I was going to take my security from my community and not from a pairing particularly and find some security inside myself. This day it was transformative. I had a huge vision of what this world could be and what I could be in it. Um, I am profoundly grateful for it, to tell you the truth. I went on further from there. I began to look around. I looked around for images of what powerful women would look like because I wanted to be in my power. I had grown up and lived all my life in a society that did not welcome my power. And I wanted to figure it out. I wasn't good at it. I, it, was, it was totally new to me. It was very strange. I found powerful women. There was an Angels of Light commune around the corner from where I was living. And they were the people that formed the coquettes. So I was hanging around with a bunch of drag queens doing genderfuck theater in the streets. And you know, those were my images of powerful women. Nobody told them they were, weren't supposed to be powerful when they were little boys, you know? And it was amazing. And so I acquired a closet full of thrift store evening gowns and I learned how to fix my car. All of that just seemed to go together somehow. I explored a lot of communities. I wound up spending some time in, in, in the Konyaku commune, which was a community of Japanese artists. I spent some time, wonderful time, in a black and white integrated community of musicians and artists and actors, where I learned, and from every culture I met, I learned new things, new ways of being in relationship, new ways of being human that I had not thought of before, and I found new parts of myself. I was kind of welcoming all my parts back home, parts that I had previously rejected as not womanly enough, you know? And I joined women's community and queer community and leather community, all these communities. Just a few years later in 73, San Francisco Sex Information opened its doors and so I joined Spissy. I wound up, I wound up connected with Spissy for about 12 years and I um, did a radio show on Kpoo for Spissy. During which I had, I have to boast here, I got to interview Harvey Milk and spend three hours talking with Harvey Milk. And that man too was lovable. That man was incredibly lovable. Leather community was a revelation to me. I could be in my power and share it with somebody. I could play with power. That's what we do in leather, you know? We work with power all the time, we struggle with power, and when we go and put on our leathers and go to a dungeon and play with it. We, yeah, nice. So all of this came from that day 50 years ago. That's why I wanted to share it to, with you in the sense that 
this has been this a marvelous evolution. I never thought I would be standing in front of a bunch of people having been able to write these books. Later on, you're going to hear from my co-author, who is also here. I didn't write these books by myself. <laughs> Janet's right over there. Thank you, Janet. Because then I met Janet. And Janet said, you should write a book called The Bottoming Book. By that time, I was kind of legendary bottom. And I said, I'm too anxious to write a book. Someone would have to write it with me. And she said, yes. <laughs> that was nearly 30 years ago. And we have books for you, and it's really great. The rest of it you all know, because you read it in books. So I just wanted to share this tale of this moment of transformation. Having that vision fueled me for the following years. There was much, much work to do. I had to move myself from being what I now consider a reformed clinging vine to being a free-range slut. And every step of the way is often struggles, it was often awkward, it was not always great, graceful, and it was always, however, rewarding. Somehow I kept getting somewhere better and better and better. So now I feel like I can stand in front of you and welcome you into the community of sluts and sexual pioneers and explorers and revolutionaries. I want you to know that I am very proud of what I've been able to contribute, and I am in awe of some of you, especially the ones who are a generation and two younger than me. Because you got to start out your life with information I didn't have. Now, I was one of the people who helped make sure that information was available to you, and I'm proud of that. You're welcome. And you will go farther, than, farther with it than I ever dreamed. So thank you all for being who you are and being here today. I adore all of you. Thank you. Thank you, 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 thank you. takes to fool this down I'll do it till the sun goes down and all through the night time oh yeah oh yeah I'll tell you what you wanna hear keep my sunglasses on while I shed a tear it's never the right time yeah yeah
That was Unstoppable by Sia. Well, that's our time for this week. I want you to be strong. There's a lot of us out there. People who were disappointed in the Supreme Court last week. People who know they are on the side of right. We're going to work together and we're going to change things. I like to end the episode by thanking everyone who makes this podcast possible. So thank you to David Grossoff, Donald Mooney, Mosa Maxwell-Smith, Joe Moore, and podcast producer Roman Din Houdiker. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour. This has been episode 232 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Oh,